I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You're listening to the 50 Shades of K podcast with host Elizabeth K, a podcast designed to empower, enlighten, and entertain with perspectives that most women are thinking, but not always saying. This is 50 Shades of K. When you're out in the world, you don't often think about what if I was attacked, but sadly, That can happen. And even though a lot of us think it will never happen, what would you do if it did? Well, today's podcast, you are going to hear life-saving skills of how you can respond and react should you, unfortunately, deal with an attacker. I am joined with a friend of mine, Tiffany Armstrong, who we just met recently because we are both part of the No Women group, and we were out in Arizona for the No Women Summit, and Tiffany took the stage and told all of us about her story of how she was attacked in Pewaukee, how she responded, and how she has turned that into her life's purpose to help women so that this doesn't happen to them. Tiffany, thank you for taking time out of your day to chat with us today on 50 Shades of K. I am honored to be here, my friend. You are an incredible woman. You have completely changed your whole life with this mission of empowering women all over the world. You have educated about 250,000 women, men, and children to learn skills to protect themselves. I applaud you, and I think that's amazing how you are doing that for people. Thank you so much. It is absolutely just crucial that we learn these life skills. And I wish this was taught in school and different work environments. And it's just not. And it's one of the most important skills we need to learn. And so that is just why it became my mission is just to get this out there and get this into the hands of everybody who's not willing to walk into a martial arts facility so they can understand if they ever came into a dangerous situation, they know exactly what to do about it. So thank you so much for having me on. I really, really do appreciate it. Oh, for sure. And you're right. Some people don't want to go to a martial arts studio. And you have how many black belts now? I have two different second-degree black belts. <laughs> and then I've studied a whole bunch of different forms of martial arts also just to understand, you know, just different skills because each martial arts specializes in something. So I just wanted to make sure I'm getting all the skills, like what are the best ones for if you're on the ground and what are the best things for even a the shortest woman because, you know, we have the least leverage. And um, yeah. so anyways, I've studied a whole bunch of different types of self-defense and, and with police forces and all the things just to get the best of the best and be able to put it out there. And it really is put out there in such an easy way to, to comprehend the information. If you go to TiffanyArmstrong.net, which will link up at 991themix.com, you can see videos. You can have checklists there that are free to download, checklists that are really important to have, like 
what if an attacker comes into your house? You can make sure that your house is equipped with the self-defense tools and household items so you have an advantage over an intruder. There's just so much information that is just extremely valuable there at TiffanyArmstrong.net. But Tiffany, why don't we start off by you explaining what happened to you when you were 20 years old at a party in Pewaukee? Yes, it was a wild experience. I'll tell you that. So uh, back in, so I was 20 uh, in college and I was working as a waitress and bartender and the two cooks said, hey, Tiff, we're going over to somebody's house this, tonight and would you want to come? And so I said, sure, I'll, I'll go along. I was quite shy back then. So going with these cooks, I felt good because I was going with these two guys. And so anyway, we go into this house. There was 12 of us sitting around and it was pretty tame. It was in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, the farmland and the next house is, you know, a whole mile away. So then we're sitting there, and I'm just getting to know everybody. We're sitting around the couch, and it's very tame. We're having a couple beers, but nothing like a big wild party. So we're sitting there talking, and all of a sudden, the front door slams open in an aggressive manner, and everybody jumps and turns and looks. The thing about it was is I had no idea who belonged there because I was just an acquaintance, you know, and, and the yeah. kid who lived there, I didn't know him. And I turn around and this big guy walks in like he owns the place, about six foot four-ish, an oversized sweatshirt and clearly on drugs because you can see the difference between somebody on drugs and drunk, right? And so yeah. he comes walking in and I'm looking at him and my very first thought is, wow, that guy's creepy looking. And secondly, maybe that's the brother coming home. And I just thought maybe he belongs here. So I did not know anything was wrong until I turned around. And I did not know the blood could drain from your face, literally, because everybody was absolutely frozen and were just pale as ghosts. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, how scary. It was alarming. And that was when my heart dropped into my feet. And this guy walks in just like he belongs there. He goes around the couch, skips, walks right past several of my friends and just plops right on me. He just landed right on me, stuck his hand straight down my shirt, started licking my neck, my ear in my mouth, all the things. Oh, my gosh. It was the most eerie feeling, and talk about dissociating from your body because it's just like, what is going on? And it took him about three seconds to make it around the couch and have this happen, so your brain's trying to process. So I just remember looking, like glancing over at these friends of mine, these people I just met, and nobody moved. They all just sat there frozen in fear, like their hands were up, but they just didn't know what to do. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to need to handle this guy myself. So I just lightly tapped him because I didn't know if this guy had a weapon or a gun. And I had zero self-defense experience at this point. So it's not like I was thinking about moves I could do. I just was like, okay, I just have to use my wits. And I always say your mind is your most powerful weapon because we can really assess a situation and really make some smart moves. And so I just lightly tapped him off instead of shoving him because I didn't want to escalate the situation. And I, I just started speaking really fast so he couldn't get a word in. And so I just said, hey, you know, look, guy, it doesn't seem like anybody knows you here, but you know what? We have a ton of beer and food and we could send you on the road with a care package. And I did not say care package, but you know what I mean? Yeah, you're basically and, just like trying to get his mind off of something else besides touching yeah. you. And you're kind of there helpless because no one's doing anything. That's exactly right. And so he took us up on that. And so he stood up. He started shoving beers in his sweatshirt, 
and he holds the plate while we start plopping food on the plate. And he literally walked out the front door like you walk out of Grandma's house at Thanksgiving with this plate full of food. And we were like, what the heck just happened? And so we run around and lock all the doors. And somebody said to the kid who lived there, hey, we should check the windows. And he goes, no, we live on a ranch, a one-story. And so we never, ever unlock our windows. It was a huge mistake because that was just the first part of the attack. And so we sit down on the couches, and this is the case in so many cases. The majority of crimes or situations like that go unreported, and we were those kids who did not call the police at that point. But you absolutely could have called the cops, and you should have called the cops. We should have, yes, 100%. Looking back, and I mean, those are situations nowadays. If I ever run into anything like that, it's like immediate call. I don't even hesitate. Yeah. And I encourage others to do the same because that is just, it is ridiculous what can be prevented, right? And people can get out, you know, we've got to get people off the streets like that. Anyway, so we're sitting around and decompressing after what just happened and processing. And I was like, hey, why did nobody move? You know, it's like, what happened here? But that was my first indication of, holy cow, like understanding our own fear responses is so extremely important. That's why when I teach, I don't just teach self-defense skills because I also teach you to overcome your own self-fear response because I could teach you all the self-defense skills in the world, but if you're going to freeze in fear and panic, that's they're rendered useless, you know? Yeah. So I have really pulled that into my curriculum. So we're sitting around talking and there's we're in the living room with some music playing and there's a long hallway in the kitchen and there's a bathroom in that hallway. So I get up after a while. People had been going back and forth down that hallway several times. And I get up, and I start walking down that hallway, and I get just a little past that bathroom to go into the kitchen, and these hands reach out, grab me, pull me in, slam the door, lift me off the ground, and start immediately slamming me up against the door. Oh, my gosh. She had gotten back in and later to find out through a window that was unlocked, by the way. It was horrible. It was so preventable. And so... He's in there. He lifts me up. He's slamming me and telling me he was going to rape and murder me. Then he was going to find my ID, find my address, and go kill my family. Like, oh, my God. So aggressive and serious. And all I could think about during this whole thing, he was hitting me. He had, his fingers were gripping me so tightly they were in my skin. They, he literally punctured my skin with his grip. And so I'm standing there or getting hit and going through this, and all I could think about is two things. I need to stay conscious because I, I have no fighting chance if I'm passed out. So I was tucking my chin to my chest and trying to curl forward. So he was hitting my upper back instead of my head. Mm-hmm. And the second thing was, oh, my gosh, just two weeks before, somebody showed me three self-defense moves at the front of my kickboxing class. I was just in kickboxing for fitness back then. And the martial arts facility owner came in and said, hey, would you guys like to learn a few self-defense skills? And I was like, yes, please. And so he just showed us three concepts. I never practiced them. I just saw them. And all I could think about was I have to try those. I have to give them a try. And so I, his hands were up on my upper arms. Okay. And so I just snuck my hand up near my chest and came over one of his hands and I struck down. So it, it was, it's called a breakaway move. I got his hand to slide off one of my arms, my right arm. Yeah. And then what I did was I distracted him low. I, I can't, I truly don't remember exactly what I did. It was so, such a, like a dream, but I either stomped on his foot or kneed at his groin or something, right? But I was up against the door, so I didn't have a lot of space, but I did something low. And what that did was it caused him to slightly like straighten his knees like he's trying to pull himself, his lower body away from me. And what that does is it pulled his upper, his head towards me, 
right? So he kind of went into an L and his face came at me. And it was right at that moment, I just opened up my hand and I just threw it at his face as hard as I could. I didn't have a lot of wind up room, but I just threw my hand up there. And later to find out it broke his nose. Yes, I had it no did. Idea. So I was just like, holy cow, that was amazing. However, I don't think he felt it, right? Because he's on drugs. So what it did for me is it snapped his head back just enough for me to also shove him. And I shoved him really quick and pulled my hands back so he didn't grab my arms. And he fell over. And I was able to get out of the bathroom, and I held the door. And right then and there, my friend, and side note, I didn't mention this earlier, one of the people that was there who froze in fear was a fourth-degree black belt at the time. <gasps> and this is exactly why. He had all the skills in the world, but hey, he, he never did do anything. It. Mm-hmm. He froze. Oh, and so that's, no. that's why I teach that. It's ridiculous, right? But that's the human response, and that's why I started studying the nervous system and how our brains work with that. So he's walking down the hallway. He sees blood all over my arms, and he said, what on earth? And I said, he's in here. Please hold the door, and I'm going to call the police. And so the police came really quickly, actually. Great job with the Pewaukee Police Department. Yeah. And they came, and they ended up telling me right away, this guy, he's wanted for two rapes and an attempted homicide. And so he, oh my I gosh. And so and you think about what he said to you, Tiffany, how he said, I'm going to rape you, oh, I'm going to yeah. kill your family. And it's like, this guy maybe would have actually done that. 100%. Like, he actually meant business. This wasn't a threat. And some people say things to scare you and get you to submit. This man actually meant what he was saying. And some, he was just absolutely off his rocker. He was on drugs, but obviously he's just a horrible person, right? Yeah. And. So they obviously were thrilled that he was caught. And so they put him in the back of the squad car and they took my statement, did all the things, right? So then they started leaving and then they actually, one of the police officers came back and said, Tiff, I need to tell you something. And I said, what, what's going on? And he said, he actually, he said he chose you out of everybody there. And I said, what do you mean he chose me? I said, he just walked in the front door and he goes, no, he was watching you guys from outside the house through a window for quite a while. And he chose you, and the cop said, why did you choose her? And the guy said, hey, it's because she is the one in the room that looked like she wasn't going to fight back. Oh, my gosh. She wouldn't fight for herself, yeah. And I was like, wow. And so I dove into studying the field of victimology because I needed to understand how attackers choose their victims in the first place because I'd never wanted to be that person again. And interestingly enough, after people are attacked, in some way, shape, or form, they the statistics go up about them being chosen again because of the paranoia it creates. And so I'll, I'll tell you about a study if you're interested in hearing about it. Yeah, no, this is great because it kind of leads into my first question. I mean, I, I have heard your story before when we first met and then down in Arizona for the No Women's Summit, but every time I hear mm-hmm. it, it still just takes me back to what must have been going through your mind when that happened. But even now, how you are studying the psychology behind it so that you're not a victim, you're a survivor, and how you've changed your mentality mm-hmm. and how this problem has become your your purpose in so yeah. many ways. But attackers targeting their intended victims, you had mentioned that he said you weren't going to fight back, and now you're kind of going into how people sort of feel maybe vulnerable after an attack or paranoid What are some Mm -hmm. tips? What are these attackers looking for? And what can we do to protect ourselves so we don't have that target on our back, perhaps like you had that day in Pewaukee? Oh, absolutely. Well, one of the studies I came across, and it's my favorite study, and this has been done many, many times, but there was a flagship study where these two researchers went into a prison and they asked 
a whole bunch of convicted criminals to come in one at a time. And they had a TV and they had a video of people walking down the busy streets of New York. And so they sat these criminals down one by one and had them watch this video. And they said, who would you choose as victims? These criminals within seconds were just pointed at the screen and they were looking around and they'd say that person, that person, that person, that person, and that person. And without hesitation, right? And the wildest part was that almost every single criminal chose the exact same people out of the thousands of people they were witnessing on this street. And so obviously the follow-up question is, how are you choosing your victims? Like, what, how are you choosing these people? Because the interesting part is there were some very petite women, like I'm talking short, little, maybe elderly women who were not chosen. So she's vulnerable, right? Not chosen. And these big, burly men were chosen. And it's like, oh my gosh, so it's not the size. It's not the gender. Yeah. It's not the race. It wasn't anything like that. It was two things. This is what they said. Two things, two ways these people were choosing them. First of all, it's that the person was distracted. And so that could be two people walking super deep in conversation with one another and not looking around and just being aware. Yeah. And I'm not talking paranoid. I'm not talking like looking around in a fearful way. There's paranoia and then there's awareness, a confident awareness. It's the confident awareness we want to lean into, not paranoia, because they will choose choose that. They like somebody to look fearful, right? So it's that the person was distracted, so they're not at least glancing around being aware of their surroundings, but also those earbuds. If somebody has headphones, earbuds in, if, let's say they're casing a parking lot and they see 10 people walk by and one of them has earbuds in, they will choose that person with the earbuds. There's so much research on that. So please, if you're out and about, please take those earbuds out or at least, at the very least, if you have to listen to that podcast, take one headphone out because... They are looking for you. They that. are. Yeah, and you want to be aware yeah. of your surroundings. Yes. And if, if you have earbuds in, you cannot hear people coming up on you, and that's why they choose that. So the first thing they said was that the person was distracted in some way, shape, or form. That's the obvious one. But the second one is that the person looked weak, but it's not weak in their biceps. It's not weak physically. It's emotionally weak. So it was where oh, their wow. breastbone was. It was... It's that they were shuffling their feet. They were looking frustrated in life. They were walking slow. Maybe they looked depressed, you know, whatever it is, but they didn't walk with confidence. And we all have seen that person, or maybe that's our, our person right now, where we walk in a little bit of a slouched, kind of meek-looking way. Yeah. And that's how I was. In that house, I was the new person. And I was like, you know, when I would shake somebody's hand, I would kind of shrug my shoulders and drop my head a little bit, like, you know, hi, I'm Tiffany, hi. You know, and I was just this meek, I was giving up this meek vibe. And now picture a person who stands tall, breastbone up, a little bit shoulders back, chin slightly up, and making confident eye contact with people. There, that's a whole different vibe. That's this giving off a vibe that you're unstoppable and you're aware and you're strong versus being curled up. And that looks like you're meek and weak and all the things, right? Yeah. And so this research study, number one, it's the person's distracted. Number two, it's the way the person's carrying themselves and looking shy. And when somebody walks by them, do you make eye contact or do you just kind of look at the ground and keep walking? It's the person who makes eye contact in that nice, confident way that will typically not be chosen on the victim list. It's fascinating to me. It is fascinating. I found myself sitting up straight listening to you talk. Yeah. But kind of like walking with purpose. Now, these moves. Yes. And yes, we're talking here. We're not seeing each other in person. But what are some of the moves that women can use if they are faced with an attacker? And you touched on it when you talked about your mm -hmm. situation when you were attacked, about the hitting low, 
you know, then hitting mm-hmm. them high. Can you explain that? It's one of my favorite concepts. So I like to think about self-defense in twos because it doesn't need to be fancy. There's so many fancy moves. There's a bazillion different self-defense skills out there. But I do like to at least start with the foundational learning with some very simple concepts that anybody could use at any time, and it's, they're so easy to remember. So one of them is the high-low or low-high concept, and so here's the purpose of it. Let's just say my thought was, like with my attacker, I wanted to strike him in the face, right? And side note, punches are one of the least effective um, self-defense skills out there because we have bones on our face, and it typically hurts our hands worse than it hurts the person. So open-hand strikes like a throat strike, a strike to the nose, like a palm, Mm -hmm. those work so much better. The high-low concept is, let's just say I want to strike him in the face, and if I go to, if that's my very first move I make, if I just start, you know, he, some guy, and by the way, women attack too, but I'm going to just use he and him. So as I strike up to the face, right, if I want to do that, and that's my very first move, he's going to be watching, right? And so his hands might come up to protect himself. Maybe he'll grab my arm. Maybe he'll counter it, however. But if I distract him low first, so let's say I stomp on his foot, I kick at his knee like I stomp on his knee or I do a knee to the groin, what that does is most likely his hands are going to drop to protect himself. Most likely he's going to end up bending forward really fast to try to protect his lower body, to try to scoot his lower body away from you. So it gets the person to have their brain thinking about protecting their lower body. So if you were to do that, and whether you strike him low or not, just to get him to think you're going to, that's just the distraction technique. So you distract him low, so his whole body kind of comes forward, and you actually strike high. So it's distract low, strike high immediately because his hands are going to be down away from his face. Mm-hmm. So you're, in a sense, distracting him and then pulling out the moves that you intended to, right? And so same thing on the opposite. So let's say I want to give him a, a knee to the groin as hard as I possibly can, right? I might take my claw and my claws and just scrape across his face. Or if I have keys, I'll swing him at his face or I'll strike him in the face or the throat just to get his hands to come up. And what happens to his body? He arches back. They lean back to try to get their face away from you. And what opens up? It's his lower body. So then you can grab his shoulders and give him the hardest knee in the human history on his groin and (laughs) put him down. So there's there's just a simple high-low or low-high technique. And so if you're striking high and it's not working, immediately switch to low. I just have to say this, too, because it's so important, is we have to expect to miss our first strikes because – People are going to flinch. They're going to see it coming, maybe, all the things. And so, like, let's say I'm going to strike at somebody's throat. Their human nature is to turn their face away and try to protect their throat. But the thing is, they're not going to finish the fight with their head turned sideways. You can 100% guarantee that the person's going to turn and look back at you. So if you strike at the face and you miss, you pull your hand back right away, and you know they're about to look right back at you, and you have your second strike already on the way, because we can definitely take advantage of just human nature. So a lot of people, I've interviewed thousands and thousands of people around the world, and there are so many women who have learned just a little bit of self-defense, but they were never taught to expect to miss. And so they struck, and it didn't work, and then they panicked, and then they were overcome by the attacker. Yeah. And so it's one of those things like, hey, just go in with the confidence, like, hey, I'm going to mama bear my way out of this. I'm going to act like a crazy, intense, you know, bring out that intensity if it makes sense to do that, right? Sometimes you don't want to escalate a situation. You can use your mind to manipulate an attacker, actually, sometimes. But it is just so important that we just understand that 
it's not choreographed. It's not going to be this perfect step-by-step plan. No part of self-defense is. If anybody teaches you otherwise, it's it's incorrect. And it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty. It's not, yeah. And there's nothing perfect about it, right? So you just have to flow with it. But So it's just important to at least understand the general concept. So if you're striking high and it's not working, go low. If it's not working low, go high. And expect to miss. miss. When you touched on de-escalating a bad situation, what came to mind is when I think about friends of mine that are real estate agents and they're realtors in houses all alone with strangers with a big sign that says, I'm going to be here from one until four all by myself in a house where no one else Mm -hmm. is. What do you Mm -hmm. do if you find yourself in that situation where you get the sense that something is starting to escalate and how do you respond or what do you do if you are a realtor? You know, you're going to be at these houses by yourself. What do you suggest? Yes, this is one of my favorite topics. Uh, What I'm about to share is it could apply to realtors. It could apply like maybe you're out on a date and you need to excuse yourself out of the situation because something's feeling off. There's so many different situations where basically just the general gist is if you're in a situation, and so realtors are the perfect example, where you're sitting there with somebody alone and you just start to sense that something's off about the person, right? Our body knows before our mind knows. And so a lot of times, like, you know, you get that deep gut instinct, like something's a little bit off here. We have to listen to that gut instinct because our body knows before our mind does. And then our mind tries to rationalize ourselves out of thinking that. Isn't that the truth? We have to go with our gut instinct. Oh, it is. And so one of my favorite things to do is we have to have a pre-planned excuse, a pre-planned excuse to leave. Because let's just picture that real estate agent in that house alone. And side note. 80% of the time we're attacked by someone we know. So most attacks on real estate agents, for example, it's after they've shown them houses and gotten to know them for months. And then all of a sudden something feels off about the person. It's very rarely the very first time you interact with somebody. It's Mm -hmm. after they assess you and get to know you and build and get that trust built. And then all of a sudden something shifts. And that's when I've interviewed a ton of real estate agents, because that's one of my things I specialize in, is these real estate agents will say, oh, my gosh, like I got in a really weird situation. But it was after I got to know the person for months. And then all of a sudden I walk into the house and something was just weird and off about the person this time, you know. And so the best thing we can do is have a preplanned excuse, because let's just picture the real estate agent. They're there in that home. And all of a sudden this person it's just something's a little bit off. Well, if something feels off and we don't have a pre-planned excuse, what happens? We start fumbling over our words and like, um, well, and, and we start doing this funny little dance. And that, in all the stories I've heard about real estate agents and being attacked or being in a situation, it's the second you start fumbling over your words, that person's like, oh, she's on to me. And that's when it escalates. And so having a Smooth pre-planned excuse is so extremely important, and we have to practice it just like we practice physical skills to get into our muscle memory. We have to practice our excuses and our sentences and our smooth things so it gets into our verbal muscle memory. And so there's a phone app that I love, Be Safe, the letter B and then safe. Okay, Be Safe. And what I love about it is you can schedule a fake call, a fake phone call to come in in five minutes, in 10 minutes, whatever you feel is right. And so, like, if you're going on a date for the first time or the 10th time, whatever it may be, or you are a real estate agent and you're walking into a home with somebody, you know that this phone call is coming in. And so if you get in there and something just feels off about the person, 
and depends on the situation, but as long as it's not already escalated, if you're feeling like something's off, then you know this phone call's coming in. And so I'll, you pick up this phone call. It's a fake phone call. Nobody's on the other end. And you pick it up and you say something like, oh, my gosh, they got no car. I'm so sorry. I have to go. And you just boop, you boot her down out of there. But it doesn't seem like you're leaving and trying to get out of the house because of the person. That's the whole thing. Yes. So having some pre-planned excuses and sentences that you can plan ahead of time and practice those. We have to practice our excuses to excuse ourselves from a situation when somebody feels off. Does that make sense? Yes. No, it does. And that's how you can kind of flip the script a little bit, too. And I'm glad that you brought up women going on dates. I've had girlfriends go on yeah. dates where they've had that plan where it's like, hey, send me a text in an hour or a call or whatever in case they feel like they need to get out of the situation. Not necessarily because they think the person's going to attack them, but if they just feel like there's no connection here. But you're right. We need to practice this and have this plan. Just like when we were kids in school, we would go through the tornado drills or the fire drills. You have to yeah. practice it for the muscle memory because when <laughs> stuff hits the fan, it's hard to keep your head cool when all of this mm-hmm. is going on around you. How do you control your fear when you're in those scary moments? So much of it is planning and visualizing ahead of time what you would do. There was a study done, this is super quick, but there was a study done about people playing the piano. There was two groups. One group actually physically played this song on the piano. They physically played it. The other group just visualized playing the song. And when it came down to it and they tested everybody, the people who just visualized it did nearly as well as people who physically played it. And it's because when we visualize things, so like when I lay my head down at night, I take five minutes and I just, not in a paranoia kind of way, I just visualize if somebody broke into my house and kicked my door in and had a gun. I know exactly how I would respond. And because I've visualized it hundreds and thousands of times, that I just, that's one of the things that takes your fear away. And you can actually retrain your nervous system to not panic in a situation because you have visualized it over and over again. That is an actual retraining of our nervous system to be able to handle a situation like that. So that's number one. The other part is having a plan because there's reaction and then there's responding. And we react when we have not pre-planned something, when we haven't practiced something and we have no plan. Our body just reacts and we want to believe that just relying on our gut instinct and just our instincts in the moment. We just want to rely on that. But I'm just telling you that's not enough because the way we get to being able to respond with conscious thought instead of just a fear reaction is when we have an actual plan and we know exactly what we would do to get out of that situation, to handle the situation. So a lot of it's visualization. A lot of it is just knowing the concepts and skills to handle it. Because we've all been learning about how to set boundaries over these last years, right? This has been a big buzzword. For like, sure. I know how to set a boundary. I say no now, and I practiced it. And da, da, da. Well, we can set these boundaries all day long, right? But then what if you set a boundary with somebody and they keep coming at you? Do you know exactly what you do physically, what you say with your words, like all the things? Do you have a self-defense tool already on you? And so it's just a matter of having that plan. And I will tell you, I used to freeze in fear. I was one of those people where I was in situations and I froze in fear in certain situations. And then I've been startled nowadays and I've practiced things so much that my and like initial reaction before my brain even comes conscious is to be up and poop up and be ready for action. And so it is, it's something that can be trained over time. And so much of that for me was visualization and just having a plan. Well, you are amazing, Tiffany. And we could talk for hours and hours. I mean, because you just also mentioned earlier that 80% of attacks happen with someone that you know. And my brain immediately yes. went to domestic violence. And it's one mm-hmm. thing to visualize 
kicking the crap out of a complete stranger who's the bad guy in the dark alley type thing. But what about if it's someone that you have children with and it's someone that you have a home with and someone that says, I love you. And then you're in that situation and needing to still be prepared and have a plan. And I know that you're very passionate about helping women that have been in domestic violence situations or are currently, which is why I really encourage people that are listening to this to go to tiffanyarmstrong.net and get more information and connect with Tiffany so that you can be prepared and protect yourself but you are so smart to talk about the mental aspect of this and not just the physical. Because mentally, if you start to fall apart physically, how are you going to be able to respond? You have to still try to keep your wits about you. That's exactly right. And I, I really appreciate that you just brought up about the domestic violence side of things. I was in, had domestic violence in my past. And it's interesting because I did have all the skills. I knew exactly how to get somebody off of me, right? But this was my husband. And he was a very aggressive, like to the point where he shot a gun at me. It was very intense domestic violence. Wow. So it was so interesting that I used to teach just the self-defense skills. I didn't teach anything else. But then when it came down to it, I wasn't using the self-defense skills I knew to get somebody off of me because I said I love you to him. I said some vows to him, all the things. And so there's so much of self-defense is taught about it being the creepy stranger that's going to jump out at you in the dark alley. That is so, it's it's only 20% of the situations. And yeah. so that's something that I really strongly shine a light on is what if it is somebody you say I love you to every day and they're hurting you or somebody, you know, that you just know, like an uncle or whoever, right? So that is why I've done so much mindset work. So half of my things are self-defense skills and the other half is situational awareness and teaching all these little skill sets besides physical skills and then the mindset and training your nervous system to overcome your own fear response because without one you can't do the other right and so I just I really appreciate you I'm so extremely passionate about supporting those in domestic violence situations to understand how to handle that right and how to handle themselves because it's scary when it's somebody you know and it's it's a whole different ballgame and it's important that we give ourselves full permission as women, as men, as little kiddos, we give ourselves full permission to do what it takes to protect ourselves because women hesitate to protect ourselves. And the thing I bring up all the time is if we saw a child being attacked, we would not hesitate to protect right. ourselves. We need to get to the point where we treat ourselves that way, where if somebody is being horrible to a child or hurting a child, we would jump into action without hesitation, but we hesitate to protect ourselves because it's like, oh, is this going to be rude? We go through this whole checklist, like, or you just don't have enough self-worth to get there. I have a mindset course to just increase your self-worth just for that reason, because so many women don't give themselves permission to take the action that's needed. And we need to be reporting crimes. We need to be reporting domestic violence. We just need to get ourselves out of those situations. And so we have to today make that decision to give ourselves permission to do what it takes to protect ourselves because we have this one life. It's precious. And we need to live and thrive. And we're not meant to be stuck in those situations. Oh, my gosh. Tiffany, I just I'm such a big fan of yours. I mean, I I love you. You become such a good friend to me in in such a short time. But hearing what you said there at the end of knowing your self-worth, you are worth it, and that you're teaching that. This is so important. And for people that have listened to this podcast, share this with your friends, share this with your sisters, your moms, your aunts, the women in your life. Men can benefit, obviously, from this too. Like you said, women also attack. We we know that to be true. But share this. This is life-saving skills of how you could be prepared and not scared when, God forbid, something like this should happen 
So head to tiffanyarmstrong.net to get more information. There's that the free checklist that are there. This is stuff, like you said, you don't think about it until after it happens. Well, you don't want to even be in this position. Get yourself out of it like you did. You sent the guy to jail and you broke his nose. And now look yeah. at you. You are amazing. <laughs> you are amazing, Tiffany. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking time to be on Fifty Shades of K. And would you be willing to come back on maybe down the road? Because we could talk more in depth about so many other things, I'm sure. I have 23 years of this knowledge up in my head, so I could talk for weeks with you on this. <laughs> so you just let me know. I will show up. Anything I could do to support your audience, this is what we're in it for. And I love your heart and everything you stand for. So thank you for having me on. And um, goodness, you're making quite the impact. I oh, absolutely adore you. Thanks. Look what happens when women come together. <laughs> That's right. We rise together, right? We, we sure do. We this cattiness of cutting each other down in life, right? We just need to support and step up, men and women together, right? Yes, so yes. I just absolutely adore it. And that's what I'm so excited about with this group of women with no women that are across the country and yeah. here in Milwaukee, the types of women that it brings together, women that support each other and empower each other and not rip each other apart. You know, we we come together. We collaborate. This is great, Tiffany. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you. And you have the best day. This has been the Fifty Shades of K podcast with host Elizabeth K. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Thanks for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.